What's up, guys? I'm Jared Lopes, and you're listening to the Dad Tired Podcast, where I'm helping everyday families learn how to follow Jesus in everyday life. How's it going, guys? Jared Lopes back here with you on the Dad Tired Podcast. It's good to be with you. If you just stumbled upon the podcast for the first time, welcome. We're glad to have you. Uh, you can go to dadtired.com and click the community tab. That will link you over to a closed group on Facebook where you can find a few thousand men from around the world who are taking their faith, their family, and their marriage very seriously. Also, if you haven't picked the devotional up, the Dad Tired devotional up, it's called Stop Behaving, a gospel-centered devotional for men. You can also do that at dadtired.com. Click the devotional tab, pick up your copy. They've started shipping this week, so I know a lot of you guys are anxious to get those. Uh, They should be arriving to your house this week. And I'm excited for you guys to go through those. Uh, Dad's Hired, what we're all about is just pointing guys towards Jesus. We're not about behavior modification or trying to get you to act right. Uh, we're, we really want to see you your heart changed by Jesus because we believe if your heart can be changed by Jesus, that your behavior will change as a result. And behavior change uh, that's affected by heart change is always much deeper and lasts much longer than just trying to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and behave better. Uh, Today is a really uh, different podcast. I've never done this before, but I've got two friends. Uh, They're my two best friends in life. So I'm going to kind of uh, give you like a sneak peek of what the, my inner circle looks like. Um, These guys have been friends of mine since high school. They're not like authors or speakers or any crazy credentials. They're normal dudes who are trying to be the best husbands and dads and men that they can be. And uh, so I thought it'd be fun just to bring them on. And the kind of the crazy maker here is they've never hung out with each other. So I, I talk to each of these guys multiple times a week, every week, but they've never actually, the three of us have never really been in the same room and had a conversation together. I think maybe they've only met once before. So I'm really excited for you to meet my two best friends, the two guys that I spend all my time with. They know me better than anyone. Uh, They know all my junk, all my crap. They've been with me through the hardest parts of life and uh, love me anyway. Um, they're really the the closest men in my life. So I'm gonna we're gonna talk about all kinds of fun stuff today. Um, but I thought it'd be fun just to get them on the podcast and uh, pick their brain a little bit. So without further ado, please help me welcome my best friends Casey and Josiah. All right, guys, I just gave you a short introduction, but in your own words, tell me who you are, what you're up to these days. My name is uh, Casey Parker, and uh, I live in Portland, Oregon. Just moved there a few months ago. Um, about I'm married. I've been married for a, an entire month. Um, so that's been, that's been a really long time. Learned a lot through that month. <laughs> um, and, uh, I'm into video production for, uh, for my job. Nice. Uh, uh, Josiah, what about you? Yeah. My name is Josiah McCachron. I live in Northern California, just South of Sacramento. And, uh, I'm married to, my beautiful wife, Tiffany. We've got two kids, a three-year-old boy named Jackson, a six-month-old girl named Reese, and I do uh, construction for trade. And we, we, the three of us actually grew up in the same area, um, but we, we didn't really connect. Like I said in the introduction, you guys don't really know each other. You know that I'm friends with both of you, but the three of us really didn't hang out, even though we all grew up in the same area. Um, and now we all live in separate areas, although, Casey, you just moved up here to Portland, which is awesome. 
Um, but most pastors, as you guys know, I've been in the ministry for about 13 years, and most pastors, their closest friends are other pastors, guys that they can relate to in the ministry. Uh, you guys aren't pastors, no. and that probably is why I'm drawn to you, because uh, you're, you're quote-unquote just normal guys. Um, like you just said, Josiah, you work in the construction field. You've been doing that forever. Casey, you own a video production business, and so you're just normal dudes. Um, it's hard to find friends. Like I, I think in... I think I think we for guys we can find guys who we can just laugh with and be immature with and goof off with but it's really hard to find guys who you can like be serious with and I know for a lot of the guys that are listening a lot of the dad tired guys um I often get emails or I see in the community the Facebook community where guys are saying like they're they're just looking for solid friends where they can they can goof off with but also go deep on like the the deepest stuff of life and honestly i i never have a good answer for that like i don't know where to tell there is no such thing as like findafriend.com well there might be (laughs) that that domain is probably taken um but i've never referred anyone to findafriend.com because i I don't know anything about it um but it's hard to like find other dudes who you can have serious deep friendships with um, what would you guys see? I don't expect you guys to have the answer to that and tell guys like where you can find a deep friend, but like, what are your thoughts on going about finding quality guys that you can share life with? Well, I think, uh, I think the most important thing is environment for that type of thing. Cause it's hard to, it's hard to feel like you can go deep in a subject when, you know, you're at a social gathering, there's a million people around and, you know, you're giving your most vulnerable thoughts. Like it's pretty hard to, to, uh, um, talk about your marriage or kids or things like that. Um, so I think it's like important to kind of either seek out an environment where it can like lead to a position to where you can just kind of, um, talk with someone if, if you feel like they're in the same state of mind or if they're, they're, you know, you just kind of connect with them either humor wise or sports wise or whatever it may be. Um, I think, trying to set yourself up for success in that environment, I think is important. I'm going to push back a little bit. Like, how do you do that? Like, so, so say I'm at like a barbecue and, uh, I, a church barbecue, community barbecue, whatever, like you're just hanging out with some other guys. Maybe you just like met this guy one time. Uh, and he's like, all right, you know, you start talking about like the yard and like what kind of (laughs) the weather's like and what favorite (laughs) sport team is. And he's like, yeah, works good. It sucks, but you know, it's work. Everyone's got to work. And, uh, you know, my marriage, it's tough, but that's what marriage is. You know, like, what, like, how do you move from that into like a, a friendship? I, th- I think it just, you know, what I've always done or I felt like when I found friends that are a little bit deeper is, you know, the ones that I challenge in those surface questions or those surface responses, like you were saying, like, you know, hey, you know, my, ma- my marriage is, is uh you know, it's tough, but you know, we're getting through or, you know, it's, uh, it just is what it is. We'll, you know, we'll get past the season or whatever it is. I usually try and ask that deeper question. Like, well, how is, how are you going to do that? Or like, what do you think that looks like? Or, you know, just kind of almost surprising them with, with a question that, you know, kind of giving them an invitation of like, Hey, it's, it's cool to be vulnerable if you want, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm not going to judge you or I'm, you know, I'm probably going through the same thing or, um, I, you know, um, it's, it's cool to talk about that. You know, I think being that friend yourself that you're looking for, I think is, is pretty important, 
in order to find someone else that that you're uh, that you know another friend that you'd want to be for yourself. Yeah, both of you both of you guys are very good at asking follow up questions, and I think that's what makes you guys such good friends. Is um, most people are talking about themselves, and you guys are really really good at like keep probing, keep probing, keep probing, and asking good questions. So I think for the listeners out there, they're like, all right, you know, I. I where do I find a good friend? Oftentimes what, what I see people doing is like, they're just, they're really approaching it selfishly. Like who's going to be a good friend to me. And really what I hear you saying is like, start by being a good friend, ask good questions when, when they open the door a little bit, like, yeah, work sucks or my marriage sucks. Like are push it and press into that a little bit. And that doesn't mean like give them a bunch of marriage advice no. or Bible theology, but it just means like ask another follow up yeah. question. It's hard to be vulnerable as guys. You know, it's just hard. It, it, it's just hard um, because, you know, you want respect and you want to be able to uh, be seen as someone that, um, you know, has made great choices in life. And uh, if a problem arises, you're the person to, to, to tackle that, you know, and that's an identity thing, you know. So when you go and you try and be uh, vulnerable to the same audience that you're trying to gain respect from or earn respect from, it's it's super hard. And, um, but I think is, is a, it's such a crucial piece in, in building a friendship and, and giving value to yourself in the long run is showing someone else that, you know, it's cool to talk about that kind of stuff. It's cool to say, Hey, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm struggling right now in my marriage. You know, it's, it's, it's okay to say that because every single other person hasn't had a, a perfect marriage, you know, um, and I think I think that's like creating an environment for someone else to be able to talk about that, not just ramble them with advice, but just be able to like even just your only advice is like, hey, totally. I've been there like too. or man, we got to like figure this out like or yeah, shoot. I don't yeah, I don't have the answers either, but I, I feel just you on that. Empathize. Yeah, empathize. yeah, just empathize. With exactly. You. Just just uh, one time I remember in our friendship, I don't remember how long you had been married, but uh, you had talked about like you, you had said that you were in a good season of your marriage. You guys were really getting along well and, and things were going well. And I was like, what changed? Like what what's going what what happened and what's different? And I remember you saying, like, I just stopped being a boy. Like, I stopped being selfish. And all yeah. the things that I wanted to do, like, I wanted to go golfing all the time or I wanted to just, you know, continue in my hobbies, all the stuff that I did in my 20s when I was single. Like, I just stopped and I started, like, being engaged with my family. And that's what changed. Correct. Uh, there, there are a lot of guys out there that's like, I hear a lot, like, well, we need me time. I, what about the bro time? Like, what about guy time? Like, what would you say to the guys or, like, what in your experience, what have you found to like sacrificing laying your own life and desires down for the sake of your family. Well, yeah. I mean, with guys, we're just wired so similar to other guys. When we look for friends, we look for like-minded friends. We don't want somebody that sees the world different from us. We don't want somebody that's going to make us feel awkward or uncomfortable or not be vulnerable around. We're looking for guys made up just like us. And so when you've got a group like that, it's so easy to, go hang out with them where you've got no pushback, no nothing than to spend time with your wife who is not only different than you, but also a female and completely different from you in that sense. And when we're at home as men, we feel completely out of our element. We feel like, Hey, you should respect me because I can do X, Y, Z. I can build this or I can lift this or I can create this. And as women, we're like, we don't care about that. 
we just want you to nurture this or connect with this emotionally or whatever else. And we feel so disconnected from what we're used to that we just want to run back to our guy friends. We just want to go hang out in a group that, that satisfies those feelings that makes us feel, um, respected or, or valuable. And as men, we get caught up in trying to bring that value that we have with guy friends into our marriage. And it just doesn't work. The values are different. The system's different. The economy's different. And we've got this real, you know, Casey's probably going through it with one month of marriage. I'm four years in and I don't feel as valuable at home as I do with guy friends. And so when I talked to you during that season in my life, I realized, hey, the value, the eternal value, the value for my kids, my family, everything that actually is going to matter later on in life has to be built at home. It can't be built at the bar. It can't be built on the golf course. It can't be built camping and hunting. That stuff's all going to fade. People are going to be in and out of your life. But I've got to invest in a different set of values that matter with my family. And that's been a hard part of my marriage is trying to transition over to that. And so when I went through that season, it was just mainly setting things aside that to me were high on the priority list that, you know, eternally or spiritually weren't high on the priority list. And I had to make that shift. And when I did, you know, there was results out of it, great results. And I was able to talk to you and say, Hey, we're doing good. And my wife's respecting me and, and we're having a marriage that, you know, was way better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, that's an interesting thought because uh, it's, I haven't, I don't know if I've articulated that or heard, heard it articulated like that, but it, for a lot of guys, we hear guys that are like, or wives ac- accusing their husbands, like, you're just addicted to your work, you're addicted to your work, or like, you're working too much or whatever. But I, I think you just are, you just put words to the fact that I think guys are not addicted to the work, they're addicted to feeling respected and valuable. Like they're addicted to like, I, if I stay at work, this is a place where I know I'm good at something. Correct. I, and obviously there could be all kinds of different reasons why guys are working too much or whatever, but there, I'm sure there's a deep part of that that is, uh, at least I'm going to stay somewhere where I know I can get a pat on the back. Like, <laughs> I don't know how to process my emotions. I don't really know how I'm l- to lead my family spiritually as a dad or be like the best husband. But I know if I work really hard here, uh, I might get a raise or a promotion or at least somebody saying like, good job, you did a good job today, you know. Um, so that, yeah, that's a, that's an interesting thought, but I want to kind of segue that thought into respect. Um, there's a book called love and respect where the, the whole premise is that a, a woman's deepest desire is to p- feel loved and valued, cherished, protected. And a guy's deepest value is to, to feel respected. Um, this is an issue that I've talked to you guys about my own personal marriage. I know you guys have dealt with this, but like uh, before, uh, before I like ask you guys uh, about your own desire to be respected, I'll kind of flip it on its head a little bit. Like to you in your experience and uh, maybe even speaking to your failures, how do you go about respecting your wife in so much so that she wants to start respecting you? Like what, what is respecting your wife look like? Yeah. I mean, I found that, you know, the chicken and egg theory, she's not going to respect me first as the man and the spiritual leader or the leader of the house, I have to initiate the respect to get it back. And I think that's where most men go wrong is that we get down this rabbit hole of she's not respecting me. She's not respecting me. Well, I'm going to go find somebody that does, or I'm going to go hang out with the guys who do or, or whatever else. But in reality, it's going to take us doing it first. And that's just the role that God gave us. We can't, we can't fight that. We can't run from it. It's in our hands. It's up to us to do it. 
and practically speaking, it's, it's a lot harder than it sounds. I mean, we grew up with boys. We grew up, I mean, you know, playing with guys and learning their systems and their rules and, and what gains respect in that world. And then you bring a wife into it and a woman and her emotions. And that's going to be a whole new set of, of things that we've got to learn and invest in. And for me, it's, it's difficult. I mean, in our marriage, it, it comes up quite often that I'm not respecting her in the way that she wants to feel respected. And we go back and forth about why I think I'm respecting her, but she feels like I'm not and so on and so forth. But to me, to actually do that and respect her is to, um, as a woman, she needs to feel number one on the list. She needs to feel priority above the work and the hobbies and the friends and all that. She needs to know that she's number one and that all my attention's on her. And when I can do that and when I can tap into that, you know, the fruit just comes out. I mean, not only that, she'll want me to go hang out with my guys. She'll want me to go get some, some bro time as you'd call it. I mean, but it takes me putting her first and putting her above all my selfish desires and all my stuff that I grew up thinking was important for her to, you know, want to feed back into my life. Once I invest in her, then she can come back and invest in me. Yeah. So I, as you guys know, I'm fostering, Layla and I are fostering and we've had a foster child with us for almost three months now. And we keep saying like, this, this isn't how God designed things to be. If we had just operated, if, if humanity just operated under the, the, the way that God had designed things to be a, a, a family, a husband and wife and, and, you know, his design, then, then there wouldn't, things wouldn't be so messy. And oftentimes, um, we look at God's like, like the word of God, that even the commands of God, the way that the, Jesus set up the kingdom. And we think like, man, that just, that feels restricting or it feels like we're living in rules or like God just wants to like control us. But God is all about our joy. He's about his glory and he's about his joy. And he actually set things up because he knew best for us. Like he, he knew how things would best operate if we, if we stayed under his design. And when we step outside of his design, um, things get super messy. And we're experiencing that in the foster care world. We see when things are stepped outside of his design, then things get really messy and there's pain and there's hurt and there's brokenness. Um, and so the reason I bring that up is because, you know, as Jesus said, those who seek to save their life will lose it, but those who lose their life for my sake uh, will find it. And then he talked about uh, us loving our wives the way that he loved the church and giving up ourselves for the sake of our wives. And uh, like you were just saying, Josiah, when we when we actually lay down our lives, put down our selfishness, put down like our boyhood and and come into a marriage completely ready to submit ourselves to our wife's joy, our wife's needs, our wife's desires, that things actually come out best. Like it's not a restricting thing. It's not like a, this sucks thing. It's actually that there's a, there's a, it's the best design for marriage. Um, Casey, I'll ask you this question. Like you and your wife are wired completely opposite, just like all of our marriages are wide, wired totally different. Our spouse is completely different from us. Like in your marriage, what does it look like for you to say, okay, I'm going to lay down my own desires, my own life, my own wants for the sake of my wife, even though all the things that she does is opposite of how I would want to do them and how I think that it's best to be done? Well, let me speak from extensive experience of an entire month, uh, <laughs> but um I would say just from our relationship, you know, like it's almost been, I think three years now, um, in September, I, I, I view it more of 
kind of a challenge to be able to to view her strengths. You know, it's it's there's a lot of laying down of myself, but there's also a pursuit almost of her, you know, looking looking for the thing, you know, if I want her to respect and love the things that I'm great at, you know, I have to do that for her, you know, and, and I really, I think for me, I really challenged myself of, of really asking me, do I know every single one of my wife's strengths? You know, do I, do I know and value those things? Do I, I see that as an asset or because there, I mean, she's clearly opposite than me in a lot of ways, so there's gotta be, there's gotta be things that she's better at than, than I am. And when, when can I, when can I foster those things and, and, you know, and push her towards her strengths and, uh, and then get out of the way and, and, and help her feel respected in those strengths. And I think for us in our relationship, I feel like we're just starting to get there and, and I think that having conversations and sometimes it's really messy because it's like kind of pointing out, you know, if you talk about strengths, you got to kind of talk about weaknesses. So you're kind of pointing out the weakness in the other person. Um, so I think that uh, I think like pursuing rather than just laying stuff down, it helps the distract from just a, pr- a practical element instead of kind of just saying, you know, don't do this, don't feel this, don't do that. Almost, I feel like it, it could be more of just a pursuit of go find this, go do that, like go realize this, go observe this, and then go foster this, you know, as opposed to more flip it on like a positive side of things. Does that make sense? Yep, totally. Because I, I, I think I heard Tim Keller say it once in one of his books, maybe The Meaning of Marriage, where he said one of the, the biggest... Um, objectives of marriage, like a Christian marriage, is to help your spouse become all that Jesus designed them to be. And I know for me, like my marriage starts to get messed up when uh, Layla, I start to think of Layla getting in my way. Like she's, I'm, I'm trying to operate in all my strengths and all my, the things that I want to get going. And when she's like opposite of me, it feels like she's just getting in my way. And then there's friction, there's bitterness that comes out. There's like arguments that come out and really it's just my selfishness and my pride. But when I just v- change my perspective to thinking like when I wake up and lay my own life aside and think, what are, what, how can I see her at her best and the way that God designed her to be like, who is she? And I tell guys this all the time, even on this podcast, like you don't know everything about your wife. I don't care how long you've been married. Like there's still a mystery to be explored there, like dig deeper into her heart and she may not even know everything. And so like explore that together um, and really try to figure out like, all right, who, who has God designed my wife to be and what would it look like to just keep digging in, keep digging in to help her become all that God has desired to be? What are all her strengths? What are all her weaknesses? And how can I help her become the person that Jesus designed her to be? Which actually segues into this next thought here. Um, A lot of guys, uh, they get into trouble um, with either porn or affairs or... um, apathy or depression uh the like the sin the symptoms can come out in all different ways but the but the core root of all of those things is really like this boredom where guys are just like floating through life maybe they were a teenager like going on adventures hanging out with friends in their 20s they were doing all kinds of stuff as a single guy and then they get married and they're really like quote unquote tied down they've got a wife and kids now and they're just like going to work 40 50 60 hours a week they come home they're like 
getting spit up on or changing diapers or, uh, you know, eating the same dinner every night or whatever, you know, like they're just bored uh, and they don't really understand like their purpose. Like, I, what am I supposed to do with my life? Is this like the next 30 years of my life and then the kids are gone and I'm old and I die and you get like either depressed or you start making really dumb decisions uh, as a dude? Like how important is it for a guy to like know who they are, why they exist and what they should be doing? Well, I think that's a perfect transition from talking about respect and those kind of things and then understanding your why. When I talk to you about that season of my life, Jared, it's like there is a shift that has to happen when somebody gets married where they get to put aside who they were up to that point, who they were as a man, who they were as a boy, what hobbies they were good at, what their identity was. And all of a sudden it drastically shifts to now your identity as a husband and father and you have no preparation for it. you got no practice for it. You've got no idea what that looks like. All you know is that you used to be good at this and people respected you for that. And now you've jumped into a completely different shift. And it has to happen for everybody that gets married. And you've got to take your mind and you've got to sh- just make a fresh start. And I think I remember saying to you back in that season of like, I just came to a point where I realized I got to live my life for myself for this X amount of years. Now it's time for me to make a shift and now live my life for my family for the rest of my life. And that shift is so important, but rarely ever happens. That's why divorce is so high because men want to continue on with who they were and keep their identity the exact same and, and not find an identity in husband and father. They want to find an identity in work and, and whatever else. So all of a sudden they get married and there is this shift and they're fighting it and they come home and now there's boredom. Now there's disrespect. Now there's all these things. And so as men, we just go back out and go find what we lost. We want to go find the adventure. We want to go find value. We want to be respected. We want to go pick up a hobby and be the best at that hobby. We want to go find a woman that, that respects us or, or treats us like the men that we think we are. And we get so derailed. We, we dabble in sin. We dabble in, you know, um, addiction to things, whether it's hobbies, video games, drugs, alcohol, whatever else, we're just going to go find something that makes us feel like our old self. But the reality is we're not our old self. We took an oath. We took a vow before friends and family that, and before God, that we're not going to be the same person anymore. And that, that right there to me is like the big, whether you do that or not is what determines how long your marriage lasts. And that, I mean, it's, it's not new th- stuff, but it's like basic Bible one-on-one, like die to yourself, <laughs> like, uh, give up your own life, give up your own desires. And that's like a daily thing. And it's also why like friendships like this are super important because you guys are calling me all the time and telling me things. And, uh, I'm trying my best to like tell you where you need to die to yourself. And I'm expecting the same from you. Like when I call you and like, dude, Layla's doing this, 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 like I'm needing you to be, remind me like Jared freaking died yourself, dude. You're being selfish. Like, <laughs> you know, just start pursuing Layla and her heart. Yeah. And that's so, I mean, getting back to the first topic of friends and how do you find friends? I mean, the, the road, the easiest road is to find friends just like you. So then when you call them and you're in a marriage crisis, they go, I totally agree with you. I side with you, you know, screw that girl, come over here, barbecue and have some beers with us, whatever. We'll take care of you. And the beauty of the friendship I have with you and that Casey has with you is that we are kind of opposites and that we are able to look at things from all sides because we have so many different perspectives and we can then call each other out on it and build a relationship out of that. And I think that that's 
so valuable to have people around you as bad as it stinks sometimes when I call you and say, dude, my wife just lost it. And you 10 minutes later say, no, you're the one that lost it. No, you're the one that needs to apologize. You're the one that messed up. And I'm like, I hate you, but I need you. Having friends that just ask tough questions and aren't afraid to like flip things on its head. I mean, I was just over at your house the other day, Casey, and you were telling me a bunch of stuff. And I was like, bro, I actually side with your wife on this one. You're like, what the heck? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why are you flipping? This is not the answer I wanted or that I expected, you know, like I need you to side with me on this. I think it's, I think it's really important to find your, your, your kind of your unique kind of why or purpose or, um, contribution to not only your family, but to society and to the planet, you know, cause when you're, when you're doing things, things that are outside of your own strengths and you're not really being able to utilize the skills that, that God gave you and designed you for. And you're at, you know, say for instance, I'm, you know, an outgoing person and I'm sitting at a desk, not really talking to anybody. I'm, I'm going to turn into a zombie in all elements of my life, you know? And I think it's, I think it's super important to make the time and effort into pursuing realizing your own strengths and kind of going all in on what those strengths are and what they could be, you know, cause a lot of times I, I feel like I have so many conversations with people and, you know, other guys and, and they're like, yeah, you know, I, I hate my job, but you know, it's a consistent paycheck, you know? And it, it feels like, cause I'm, I was there too. I, I, I feel like I'm, I, you know, a few years ago I had a kind of real steady job and it was like for really cool company. And, but I just wasn't using any of my strengths and it plays out into your relationships, your, even in your friendships and even in your, especially with your, you know, your, um, your girlfriend or your fiance, your wife or whatever, um, that almost lack of effort or lack of value that you feel is going to, is going to portray and you're going to have a huge need for it somewhere else where it might not necessarily be as healthy, you know, to try and get that from your wife or, or, or get that from someone else, you know? And I think that finding your unique strengths and then finding a job or a career that, um, you know, allows you to do that is just, it's, it's, it's really important. Yeah. And there, so there's a book on that. Um, Simon Sinek wrote a book called Casey, remind me what the book was called. Uh, Start with why. Start with why, yeah, which is helpful in that. And uh, I, I did a whole podcast episode on this because I think that what what we do is like when we're coming back to like, okay, how does God design me? Like, what is how? What's my skill set? Part of knowing my skills is knowing my weaknesses, what I suck at, and not pursuing those, but like going all in on the things that God has wired me to be good at. And so I I, I did a whole podcast because I think what's happening is that we have a bunch of guys. Um, and, and gals even like families who are going to church and they don't know like their purpose or their design or like what they're good at. And so they end up like, well, I guess I'll just volunteer in the nursery or be a greeter or, you know, like, I guess this is my purpose. Like, this is what it looks like to serve in the kingdom. And I'm not saying that that's bad. Like if you're, if you're plugged into a local church and you're serving in those places, like, sweet, that's helpful. You know, I guess we need people like that. (laughs) Uh, but, but, 
what's even greater is like, like dig deeper, like dig deeper than that. Figure out like, what is your strength? What are you, what contribution uh, can you give to your relationship, to your community, to the world that's different than other people can contribute? Uh, We're fostering and God has wired us in such a way that it makes sense for us to be foster parents, but that's not everyone. Like that, not everyone needs to be foster parents, although that would be awesome and the kingdom would be expanded if much more a lot more Christians with uh, foster children. I am passionate about that. But, you know, just like find your thing. Like not everyone's called to move to Africa, um, but some people should go to Africa. Um, And some people are not in Africa right now who need to be because they're operating in somebody else's why or somebody else's strength. And they need to actually like figure out, no, this is not the way God designs me. And and you may need to like right now pick up your family and move to Africa because God's designed you to operate in your best there. And it, and it would actually be best for everyone around you if you're operating within your strengths. Um, but all that to say, like, uh, spend time to dig deep and like really figure out how God has wired you um, and wired your wife. And, and really, it, it, before you like move to Africa or <laughs> foster a child or anything, like it needs to start at home. You need to figure out how has God wired you? How has God wired your wife? And, and the things, I, I say this all the time, all three of us make jokes about this separately. Uh, the things that attracted us most to our wife, everything I loved about Layla are the things that frustrate me most now in marriage. Um, she is 100% different. And I think you guys would probably agree with that. Like the things that you loved about your wife, her fast moving pace, her extrovertism, her uh, whatever, all the things that she, the qualities that she has. You at one point in your relationship looked at that and was like, oh my gosh, that is so attractive. I want that. I want to spend the rest of my life with that. And then you get married and you're like, those are the things that frustrate me the most. And God designed it that way. God designed it so that you like we marry the opposite person. And uh, if if we move into bitterness, like we're destined for divorce. But if we moved into like this is how God's designed her, I want her to be the best version of herself, uh, and I'm going to lay down myself every day um, so that she can be that. Um, your, our marriages are going to thrive. And and I, it's crucial. You know, obviously our wives aren't listening, but that they, that they would do the same for us that they would lay down their lives and and have that same attitude towards us and that that again is how God designed things and when when we're operating under that design um, things are best played out from a man's point of view on his why he's going to go down the road of should I take my family to Africa should I take this job in another state should I pursue this hobby should I be the best at this or be the strongest at that and what we lose sight of is that our real why 101, if you're listening to this and you're dead tired, you, that means that maybe you're married and, you know, maybe you have kids, but that is our ultimate goal right there, that our world will be a better place just by being a great husband and a great father because of the lack of that. There's just, it's, it's a, it's something that's missing drastically in our society of of raising good strong families that will pass that down to their generations and their generations and we can impact the world just by that we don't necessarily have to move to africa all the better if you do but the fact is that that's what we are called to that's what we're designed for god designed us and we we tend to fight that design and the funny thing to me is that when you ask a guy or you talk to a guy about their why and all this they're going to bring up hobbies. They're going to bring up sports. They're going to bring up stuff they could have done if they practiced more and they weren't married and they didn't have kids. And when you ask a wife, like you said, Jared, of them trying to bring the best out in us, when you ask a wife, hey, what's the best version of your husband look like? She's not going to say that he's the best golfer. She's going to say that he's the best husband and father 
That's what he's made for. That's what he's designed for. He's the head of this household. That's all I want him to be. And that's right there, to me, one of the biggest fights that, that couples have is that the man wants to get out of the house and be the best he can be at X, Y, Z. And the woman says, no, stay home and be the best here. That's what you're designed for. <laughs> and we're just like, wait a second. No, I'm not designed for that. Come on. Yeah, it's so true. She doesn't care. Like, your Tiffany doesn't care how many amazing houses you build. Uh, Chelsea doesn't care how many amazing videos you create, Casey. And Layla doesn't care about this podcast. <laughs> like, she cares about my our family, Correct. you know? Like, she doesn't care if this podcast grows or Dad Tire grows. What she cares about is, am I leading our family? Like, am I engaged with our family? Um, and the last thing I'll say on that is, uh, it's, it's a little bit different topic, and maybe I'll have you guys back on and we can kind of scratch more surface uh, topics here. But one of the things that I'm drawn toward in you guys is your ability to be fully present in the moment. And that is like the most, the rarest thing to find in 2017 is uh, anyone, but guys, girls, anyone that like will set their phone down and just be fully present with somebody. And so I, I'm not necessarily asking you a question here, but I just want to like highlight and thank you guys for being those kinds of people. I'm convicted when I'm around you. You're the least engaged people I know on social guys that I know on social media. Uh, you're least addicted to your phone. When I'm with you, I feel like I feel like you are fully present and fully uh, there. And that that could be that truth and that characteristic about you could apply to all of the topics we've talked about respect uh finding good friends uh finding your why uh, all of that that characteristic of like being fully present if you would be fully present with your kids with your wife with your friends i promise your quality of like life and relationship is going to go up on just that alone so i just want to say thank you guys for being such good friends <laughs> <laughs> you got it well i am a great friend you know so, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I love you guys. I appreciate you guys taking the time to hang out today. Um, I'm definitely going to have you back. I think we've got a lot more um, topics that we can cover and, and uh, dive into. But thank you guys. I know you're busy. You're dad tired and husband tired. So, thank you guys for taking the time to hang out today. No problem. Thanks for having us.